0: Hello everyone, and welcome in to debate night with Hunter Thomas and Brody Smith. Uh, we're working with a little bit of do a it virtual, mobile, baby. working with we're a little bit it. of a virtual situation going on here. Um, so bear with us a little bit as we kind of figure out what it's going to look like when we have to film this remote versus when we're finally able to do it in person like we did last week. So no call-ins on this show, unfortunately. That's definitely something we want to bring back in the future. We will, however, be taking some like suggestions. Uh, from you, the listeners, as to what we should talk about, maybe a little bit later in the show as well. Because from what I understand, I don't know what these are, but Brody, you're I telling think, me so you I have a lot of lists. Of yeah, what I talking
1: think about. this is kind of how uh, some of the shows might go. Um, I think maybe in the future we can we can you know, we'll see how we'll see how this goes. I think maybe in the future, letting the other person know, like, hey, th- these are the topics let's talk about. Maybe giving them a few days to kind of think of some arguments or where they stand, that might be a good thing. But none of these are going to be very like you're like digging at like, oh, I wish I could have researched this topic. All these are pretty pretty good topics. And then like you said, we're going to open it up to the chat here at the end. But we did mention at the end of the last podcast, uh, we asked you guys to go over to the Apple Podcast. Subscribe over there because I know this is a live show that we do on YouTube, but some people might be listening over there, but go over there, subscribe, and then drop us a review. And I've got one right here that I want to read from Navigator Kid. He said, hey, Hunter and Brody, just wanted to thank you for creating a podcast that is informative, engaging, funny, and overall a great listening experience. I love what you're doing for the sport of disc golf. Hashtag keep making them podcasts. I like that. I like that. So, Navigator Kid, thank you for that. Make sure after uh, after the show, guys, just go over, drop us a review, and make sure you subscribe to the uh, podcast, not only here on YouTube on the Foundation Podcast, but also on the Debate Night Podcast on Apple Podcasts. I think I've said podcasts enough, so we're moving forward to the first topic. Let's and hear the it. First topic is gaming. If you haven't been paying attention, it, we're going a little bit off of disc golf, and that, and that's the thing. I don't want to feel boxed in on this show. I like I it. I don't want like to feel like we can't talk about anything. Now, there are going to be a lot of disc golf topics, Yeah, but I want to I be a little bit more free. So we're going to talk about gaming a little bit. We've been going ham a little bit on Twitch lately, and if you've caught some of my streams... In some of foundation streams, we just had a big Among Us game, which was pretty fun. Uh, but I want to ask you a question okay, what is the best style of game to stream? Oh. Because I'll, I'll start first by saying, I streamed this, you know, those games where you just get like dropped in a room and you have no idea what's going on and you have to try to get out of the room, you find a yeah, flashlight. Yeah. You fly in a knife, whatever. I just played 12 minutes, okay? That's what the game's called, 12 minutes. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say I got on the stream kind of late. It was like 8.30 or so at night. It, it got to one thirty in the morning very quickly, <laughs> and I literally had to take a pause and ask the stream, should I continue? And They said, you need to finish this game. Oof. It took me five hours to finish. I think I stopped streaming... Roughly around two thirty in the morning. Jeez, it was out of control. But this game was unbelievable, and people loved it. So I'm curious, what is the best game to stream on Twitch?
0: Okay, so I think there's two different types of ways to answer this, right? There's one, you have a following. It doesn't matter, like if you're the per- you're a person who has a following, it doesn't matter what the viewer enjoys. Then like. Me personally, I would say a first-person shooter in that case cuz like okay. for me that's what I enjoy Twitch. the most. Okay. Yeah. Two, the second flip, flip side of that coin is you don't really have a following, you're trying to build a following on Twitch, then you need then you need the type of game that everyone's just going to have fun watching. So I think that's where something where it's more intense, it causes a little bit more fast-paced, something like Rocket League, I think okay. cuz this is from our experience. From us, we didn't have a following on Twitch. We still kind of don't. Um, Rocket League, people love because it's so fast-paced. It, the games turn over. Fall Guys, same type of thing where the games Quit. are constantly going. Um, and even Fortnite to some degree, uh, just because there can be a lot of action. But for instance, when we played Warzone, Minecraft, Sea of Thieves, games that were like you get in and they're like a little bit more of a grind, a little bit of a like longer game. World, Yeah. Yeah. Where there might not be action every five minutes or every five seconds, then people are a lot of people are going to come on, watch for a few like few seconds and then click off. So I and think, think fast paced yeah, games that are also like challenge based.
1: I think you're right there too, and I would say this too: there are some streamers that get so locked into a game. And uh, one of my favorite streamers is Tim the Tapman. Yeah. And this, he kind of had to go through this transition of where everyone knew him for Overwatch. Hmm. So whenever he was starting to branch away, because at a certain point, like you have to realize, like you can't continue. One, you will go insane if you play the same game every single day for years. But you also want to branch out and you want to play other games. Yeah. So, um he kind of went through that a little bit because he boxed himself a little bit into the corner so yeah I, I agree with you I think what you said though was important where at the end of the day you should be streaming something that you enjoy
0: well I think that makes the people enjoy it more disc golf valley yeah I saw someone say that that's a great game I saw should we,
1: should we do a disc golf valley stream
0: I'm 100 t- Trevor is apparently filthy at disc golf valley he hypes himself yeah. up a lot is there like a doubles thing that we can do to where Trevor can be on my team? I don't think so. I don't. Okay. I don't think they have the doubles update in there yet. Okay. But Fair just got, But yeah, I think well, part of it. This goes with anything with social media, right? Uh, is you have to enjoy what you're putting out because mm-hmm. if you if you're sitting there and like for instance, Trevor got burnt out on Rocket League when we were streaming. So yeah. as the game would go on, the first 30 minutes people love it. As we get to an hour, two hours in. Trevor gets a little burnt out. I'm still having the time of my life, but it's hard to feed off of. And so then when you get burnt out, yeah, the whole stream can feel it. So then people don't want to watch as much. Same thing with the YouTube video. Same thing with if your Instagram posts, when you're really excited, you just produce better stuff. Yeah. So when you're really excited about whatever game you're playing, you're going to have that energy and you're going to be more excited and you're going to produce a better stream.
1: 1,000%. And you could probably see that if you guys watch some of Foundation Disc Golf's Recent videos. I actually don't know if some of those might go on the second channel. I'm not sure. But if you watch the ones that I'm in, we filmed all three of those. It's well, I'll I'll spoil some stuff, but we have a scoop, we have a scuba video coming out. We have a how fast can you throw video coming out. And then you guys saw the all sports battle. We filmed those all in the same day. And that was like one of the first days of me being like, out I would say and like trying to do stuff after COVID and you're 100% right like my energy level was so low so I'm hoping it doesn't come through too much in the
0: videos well the all the the all sports battle I don't think it mattered because it people loved that we were miserable
1: yeah but I was like double miserable because I was getting
0: crushed (laughs) which made it double funny to people at home
1: I felt like I needed to take a nap
0: yeah the the scuba video I think will go over very well how fast can you throw? Those are both going on our second channel if you're not subscribed over there yet. I want to Foundation read that
1: Immediately. I figured out what I I figured out I wasn't I wasn't getting my hips involved. And oh, I did that for the today. speed. Yeah, I, I started getting my hips involved today. Ooh boy. I'm well, getting we'll have I'm to, getting back up.
0: There. When you move back up, when you move up here, we'll have to get the speed gun in front of all of us and Paul. Yeah. I'm very curious. I, I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy with more Paul. Yeah, I, I was happy with what I was putting up. Speed gun number wise, I won't I won't spoil what those numbers were yet. Yeah. But I was pre- well, I was you, happy with ever, it. you guys are at
1: your ceiling, and I felt like I was barely sniffing the first floor. So
0: I don't I don't know if I'd go that far.
1: Okay, um, another
0: I, side. My first side note: speaking oh, about speed gosh, gun, because yeah. you just said ceiling yeah. golf. Right, you're talking about club head speed. I don't. Yeah. I what I what's so mind boggling to me is how i'm assuming it's the same in disc golf i don't think we've studied it enough but like i was out there right and after five or six swings i was able to get my driver club head speed to 100
1: yeah so for for people that don't know we we busted out the uh the the speed gun right outside the office and uh hunter for some reason had his golf clubs in the in in the office and we're moving we're moving everything so he's like i need to get these out of here and uh i think he cl- did you claim you couldn't swing over 100 i said there's I-,
0: I said there's no way i could swing over 100 you said i you, could. you yeah and you said you could swing your seven
1: iron faster than your driver yeah, which i, I literally told I you that. that is absolutely insane um but continue on just to give a little background what the heck's going on here
0: yeah so but what's crazy to me is you're t- you're saying the top people on tour are only swinging like 120 miles an hour so, like, to me, in my head, that's not that big of a gap, but obviously yes. that, that gap is drastic once you start training. So I'm interested, like, in disc golf, if we were to consistently spit, like, where is the gap of, like, let's say that I'm at mid-60s, and in Simon's only, let's say, mid-70s. I don't know if those numbers are accurate, but, like, that 10-mile-per-hour gap feels like, like that's a huge gap, you know what I mean? But yeah, sounding-wise, he- it's not that big.
1: Well, I mean, we, we've played enough together, too, to, to see, like, how far I throw and how far you throw. And when I'm throwing, you know, when I'm throwing well, I'm throwing, like, mid-70s. I'm throwing 75, 76. You're, uh, you know, you're throwing in the 60s. And it'll be, you know what would be really interesting? Because in golf, they actually have, like, the technology and all the stats and d- data and all that stuff to be able to say, like, every mile per hour, you increase your clubhead speed is three mi- uh, three yards, basically. Mm, um, but a lot of that obviously has to go, like, there, you, this is what I was talking about to you. You could swing 100 miles per hour with the driver, and I could swing 100 mile, miles per hour with the driver, and my ball is going to go way further than yours because I'm going to probably hit in a sweet spot more yeah. than you. Yeah. But, um, all right, let's switch to another topic. This was a big one on Twitter for me. Uh, I brought home... Reese's one night and (laughs) Kelsey looked into my Kelsey straight up asked me you know she said hey I I see a bag here you know it looks like there's some drinks and some stuff in there like did you bring home any candy and I you know in my head I know Reese's is candy I know it right but I was just kind of playing it off by being like no I I don't have any candy no and she looked in she's like there's Reese's, what is this? And I was trying to play off, of, play it off as, it's chocolate, it's not candy. Now, there are so many different ways we can go about this, but the question at the end of the day is, is chocolate considered candy? And my stance is, no. Chocolate is its own category that can be used in candy.
0: It's its own category Similar, of what?
1: Similarly, hold on, similarly to peanut butter, to nuts, like those things aren't candy, but they could be put into something that then makes it candy. And the question is to M&M's. This, is, this, this was another thing tweeted by, it's tweeted to me. M&M's, it says on the M&M's wrapper, chocolate covered candy,
0: Candy covered chocolate, but close. why don't they say can't? What? Candy covered chocolate. Is that what it says? Well, you don't. M and M. The outside's not chocolate. Yeah, it is. What's well, the what's the inside of an M M&M, and M then? A nut. What? M and M inside is not a nut. No. Well,
1: no. The in, wait, hold on. The inside of an M M&M, and M. Well, like a uh, a the, base M and M. The peanut M M&M, and M. But the inside of a normal M M&M, and M.
0: Because I would what argue is- the most candy part of an M&M is the outside. Now i got to Google that. At first, Googled candy definition. What the
1: heck is inside an M&M? It definitely says chocolate-covered.
0: Is it chocolate-covered candy? Yeah. It 100% says that. It says made with real chocolate. Milk chocolate M&M. Chocolate no, no, candies.
1: you got to go to... Um, where was that?
0: The inside is literally milk chocolate. Where was the uh, chocolate covered? Candy? I think someone just responded to you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, they did. I don't know where they got that photo, but it literally said chocolate covered. M&Ms candy.
0: are multicolored button-shaped chocolates. So they're just chocolates, right. a fee- consisting of a candy shell surrounding a filling, which depends. So the shell is okay. the candy. The insides.
1: This is where I think I rest my case. Okay, because you can't have, exactly, you can't have candy-covered candy. Yeah, you can. That makes no sense. Definition, okay, definition of candy. Yep. And this is where I think chocolate isn't in. Because is there, here's a question for you, Hunter. Is there candy-flavored ice cream? Because there's chocolate-flavored ice cream.
0: But what, what flavors candy? Candy's a broad category.
1: So is chocolate.
0: No, chocolate's under the category of candy. Chocolate's the most popular form of candy. And this
1: right here is why candy and chocolate are separate and chocolate is not a candy. Similar to, would you say fruit's a candy?
0: No, fruit's not a candy.
1: Would you say nuts are a candy?
0: Candied nuts are a candy, yeah. But just nuts. Nuts, no.
1: Okay, definition of candy. Coming from Oxford, you can't, you can't, you can't disagree with Oxford candy, a sweet food made with sugar or other sweeteners, typically formed in small shaped pieces and flavored with chocolate, fruit, or nuts. Boom. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. That doesn't
0: make any, no, no. Let's move on to the next topic. Okay, so avoid the typically flavored with part. Okay, avoid, because that's just typically, okay. Why Read, the first, with chocolate? Read the, the first half. Read the first half of the, because like you can have chocolate can like flavored candies. We're talking
1: just chocolate, though. but that's just I'm a candy flavored. Candy. Someone just gave you a piece of chocolate. Yeah, they gave you me a would piece not of candy. Say, I know. If not I hand you
0: a tootsie that. roll, do I hand you candy?
1: I don't know if tootsie rolls a chocolate.
0: That's just awful chocolate. Pretty sure that's what tootsie roll think, is. I don't think it is. I'm pretty certain. There's no way. What about, those little, a, what about those little lint truffle things that are individually wrapped? The heck are you talking
1: about? You're picking the worst. That's like my favorite ever. candy.
0: Okay, someone
1: hands you, literally they have a brick of chocolate and they brick, they, they break off a piece and they hand it to you. You're not going to say thank you for that candy. You're, you're not going to say thank you for this candy. You're going to say thank you for this chocolate. Someone hands you a Jolly Rancher,
0: thanks for this candy. I'm going to say thanks for the Jolly Rancher.
1: Everyone's saying Twitchy Rules is not chocolate, and I agree completely. The
0: only you. time I'm using the word candy is if I don't know what the specific candy is. You know what I think we need to have But chocolate think- chocolate's just the chocolate has transcended candy, but it's a form of candy. Chocolate started under the category of candy but has gotten bigger than the category itself. It has become the most popular candy out there. But it is still a candy. It's just transcended that's,
1: it. That's a bad take. That's, I don't think so. I think chocolate was
0: around before candy. Um, See, that's an argument that I don't know. There's no way chocolate might have been the first candy. candy. Okay, well it depends on what you're saying about chocolate. Like (laughs) dark chocolate that doesn't have sweetener added to it, not candy. I don't even think that's chocolate.
1: That's not candy.
0: That's strict that's strict chocolate. That's not candy. Milk chocolate, once you add stuff to it and sweeten it up, that's candy.
1: Correct. I'm with you.
0: When you say chocolate, what chocolate flavored ice cream isn't dark chocolate flavored ice cream? It's milk chocolate flavored ice cream. It's candy flavored ice cream.
1: No, if you add something to the chocolate, you're making candy.
0: Okay, so you're saying pure cocoa is not chocolate, like a pure hundred percent. This is where we need to
1: have. This is where we need to have Connor come in with the mallet of justice and the mallet of truth, hit it down. Say, Brody, you won the argument. We're going to the next. I think we leave this. I think we leave this for the audience. Well, I need you to look guys,
0: up one thing. I just need to look up Tootsie Roll.
1: You guys let us know. Do you think chocolate is candy? I don't think so. Hunter does. Two hundred and sixty
0: but- count Tootsie Roll Mega Chocolate Candy Mix. It's a chocolate candy, chewy chocolate candy. That's from Tootsie Roll's website.
1: Yeah, obviously. They're going to try and market the crap out of that. Everyone Tootsie, knows that
0: Tootsie Roll not- is just awful chocolate.
1: I don't know. I actually personally love Tootsie Rolls, and I, I really it. like the long stick ones. Okay. okay. Never mind. The next, mind. next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to disc golf here. We're going to be talking about something that I think needs to change, and I'm curious to see what you think. Okay. I think right now the way – and again, this is only when I talk about stuff. I'm only talking about the pro tour. I'm only talking about the highest of levels. I'm not talking about uh, changing your leagues or any of that stuff. Only talking about the pro tour here, guys. I think the way the scoring is done right now in the pro tour is is not good. I don't. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for the players. I don't think it's good. Um, for the fans um, I think it's just awkward and I think also it opens up the door for and this is this actually not at the highest level this is at other levels I think the way that scoring is done it opens up the door for people to cheat in like flex starts, C tiers and B tiers it's harder to cheat with like pencil whipping and like changing your scores and stuff on, on the pro tour but I do think it puts people in a weird position, and this is what I'll say about that. After after a hole, having to, and this is what most cards do, they'll have one person on the card step up to the tee pad and say, okay, Hunter, what did you get? A four, okay. Trevor, what'd you get? A five, okay. Connor, what'd you get? A seven, you got a seven, okay. I don't like that one because if you are the guy that got a seven, like you don't want to have to relive that. You don't want to have to say that out loud. Um, And so I think that kind of just looks weird and doesn't look professional. And then I I think the other thing on it is it makes it to where the cheating and awkwardness comes from to where if I know someone got a four and they're claiming they got a three – I now am put in a position where I have to say, like, are you sure you got a three? And it's just, it's an awkward situation. So I have a solution, but I'm curious as to what you feel about the scoring, the way it's set up currently, before I even talk about the solution.
0: I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've never really thought about it that much. I've been in situations where players have taken an eight, right, and they say six, after and i just go oh i had you at an eight let's just recount real quick <laughs> i've never felt like that was an awkward situation but i think i, I think i need to hear your solution as to because i don't i don't really see this being a problem more so because i don't really see a better way well, around it
1: it slows pace of play okay right and, and that's something that we on the foundation have talked and you guys on grip lock have talked a lot about is how how can we speed up the game? How can we how can we have less things? And so if you're not having these 30-second meetings on figuring out what the score is every single hole, that that right there wipes away 9 minutes. Um and also, if I'm a fan, it's a weird thing to like be standing if I'm standing on the tee pad and I'm hearing this discussion. I I think it's a weird thing. Coming from golf, I think it's a weird thing. So what's is, is, what's your proposed solution? Is my solution. You give me a scorecard, you get a scorecard, Trevor gets a scorecard, Connor gets a scorecard. Mm-hmm. I hand you my scorecard, you hand Connor your scorecard, Connor hands me his scorecard, Trevor hands the other person his scorecard, whatever. So we all end up having someone else's scorecard, right? So if I have your scorecard, I'm keeping your score on – where? well, yeah, there we go. I'm keeping your score on the top, okay? So all the square – there's 18 squares right here. So after the first hole, Hunter got a four. After the second hole, Hunter got a three, okay? And I'm keeping your scores. On the bottom, there's a perforated edge right here. And that's where I keep my scores. I got a two, I got a three. Or actually, sorry. Reverse that. My scores are up top. Perforated edge are your scores, Hunter. Okay. okay. So when the round ends, all of your scores are on the bottom. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tear the perforated edge. Because my official scorecard is the one I'm keeping. I'm gonna tear the official, I'm gonna tear the perforated edge, and I'm gonna hand it to you, and I'm gonna say, hey this is what I have. And so what you then do is you have your scores at top, you take the my scores that I have, you line it up literally right below and you literally just go, three, three, four, four, five, five. Uh, oh, four, three. Um, I got a four on this one, you have a three. And then we can go back and discuss it and go through it again and figure it out. But that way, there's very less room for cheating. Um, and also, I'm only having to keep you know, track of one other person's score, which is way easier. And we don't have to have these 30-second conversations on the T-pad. And then also it puts all the onus again on me for keeping the right score. Because that's one thing that happens right now that's kind of weird is I have to check someone else's work to make sure I don't get penalized for my score. Where I'm gonna literally I should be able to keep my score and say this is what I got, sign it, turn it in. And if something ends up coming back that it's wrong, then I get penalized. And that's on me because I literally kept my own score. But my big thing with this is I just don't want to have to like sit there and wait for everyone to say their scores. I don't want to do it. Like we get to a tee pad, if it's open to throw, whoever's up should just step on the tee pad and go. And, you know, I think we've all played in tournaments where the person is, you know, ready to throw and the guy that's like keeping the scores is like, oh, hold on. Oh, sorry. And they're like fumbling with it. and They're trying. Uh, okay, whatever. And you're, you're ready to go. So it's just pace of play. I think the professionalism, I, I think, and just overall, like, it's just a small thing that really would just be
0: super easy. So how are you getting the other person's score? you're just responsible to pay attention to it yeah what the
1: heck you threw one into the tree you threw the second one in the fairway you threw the third one into circle you missed your putt you missed your putt you got a six
0: okay now what if like he's off the fairway he actually took a eight because there's two throws you didn't see that he hit the first tree
1: he's off the fairway like he's
0: off to the left deep in the woods
1: well, aren't you technically, isn't it the rule you're technically supposed to watch everyone's throw?
0: Yeah, you're supposed to be. But, like, sometimes a dude goes to chuck it, and he hits a tree, it drops straight down. He's like, crap. And you're like, did he actually throw that? Or what happens? I feel like if you— I mean, like- I, think,
1: I think in that situation, if you really wanted to address it right then and there, as soon as the hole's out, you can say, hey, man, I, I think you got a 7 on that hole, would you? Is that is that what you got? Like, as you're walking to the next tee. And it can just be a conversation between two you. Now the second question. I, I think that's
0: fine. Second question I have about it would be: wouldn't mm-hmm. it almost make cheating be a little bit easier if I'm keeping my own official score and you're keeping the like one I check it against, and then you hand it to me, and I'm like, okay, cool, and I like, oh, I have a three here, but Brody wrote I had a four. There's no. I'm just not gonna say. Pencils. Oh, so you turn both in? What's that? No, like I'm keeping my own score. I don't need to erase anything.
1: I take a four on hole three. I end up checking it as well. It's not like you just check and you're done. Like I check as well. You check. Like I check mine, then we switch. Does that make sense? Because we're both checking both. I have to sign my scorecard and I have to sign the players that I took score. So when the round's over. What ends up happening is you you break the preffered edge, you hand it to the other person, you just go, da, 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 yeah, sounds good, and then you switch, and then it's like, da, 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 yeah, sounds good. You sign, and you get out of there. If you watch golf tournaments, they've they've shown some of this sometimes, uh, especially when there's a playoff and stuff, and the coverage is still going to go. It's literally like a fifteen or twenty second process is how long it takes, and let me say that's way faster. Than having a cell phone and handing it around to everyone, and then having to type
0: in their PDGA number. Well, but, that's that's a unique situation right now. I'm Just saying the speed of it. If yeah. the speed is the speed is there. Typically, you're you're double checking it on a paper scorecard, and you possibly have to initial. Sure. But yeah. I don't. See, I think the like, biggest the biggest time saver is during the round. After yeah. the round, I think it it might save a minute. No, the,
1: done. what i was just trying to say is it's not i didn't want people to think like oh this is gonna take forever for people like i if i if the round ends i just want to get out of here yeah and sometimes that happens right like i've played with people sometimes where they play bad and like the person's like hey i have you as a 60 they're like whatever and they just, they're walking out and there's no i don't know that's yeah. kind of my thought on it but uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that moving forward.
0: I think uh, uh, I think the disc golf might have been the world tour. It might have been the US, world tour back in the USGGC day, did, did it? Something.
1: I think USDGC, the they scoring, I think is different. I than, think, uh, yeah. But it's not the pro
0: tour. I want to say the world tour, when that was a thing, when the pro tour was first starting, everyone had their own scorecard. And... Um, the metrics weren't actually live. Maybe the like actual lead card was, but you kept track of, it might've been your score and one other person's score. And then every three holes was a scoring booth and you just hand it to them. Like as you, I forget how exactly worked. Basically you used to for live scoring, hand your scorecard into the booth because we didn't have enough phones and everything. And the Mm -hmm. booth would plug it in really quick or like take a picture of it and upload it for the live scoring. So -hmm. then like us at home, every three holes got an update. But you in that scenario, you were keeping either you're keeping only one person scored in stats and everyone was. I don't know if they had your own on there or if I was only keeping yours and like you were only keeping Trevor's and Trevor's only keeping Connors and so on. It might have been that, but I definitely could see that changing as as things move forward.
1: It's it's one of those situations too, golf does it this way. There's probably they probably have a way better reason for doing it that way than what I Uh, posed of just like saving time, you know, like the, like we talked about the nine minutes of speeding up pace of play. Um, I'm sure there's other reasonings other than just the cheating and the pace of play. But like, I, I don't know why that would be a bad thing. I know there's probably gonna be some pushback from people listening because whenever you propose something changing, someone's all, they're always, there's just pushback. People don't, you know, they're just gonna say that's a stupid idea, and it's like, okay, well, explain why it's a stupid idea. Yeah. Because golf does it, so if you're saying it's a stupid idea, then you're basically saying what golf does right now is stupid. But um, well, there's a lot of people that
0: would say that would be the reason. To be like, yeah, I think golf's stupid. If you came with that argument. <laughs> well, fair, fair enough.
1: Um, okay, interesting yeah. story. Next topic. Uh, when I was at Worlds and doing a practice round at um, crap was the, what was the terrible course? Mulligans doing a practice round at Mulligans. I bumped into a guy and he comes up to me and he's like, Brody, Brody, listen, listen, listen. He goes, do you think the future of disc golf, do you think like, we're not even, we haven't even reached our potential. And I was like, I mean, I think there'll be better players, more athletic. Um, the money will be higher, so people will be able to dedicate and spend more time. So I think, I mean, I think it'll definitely get better. But like, I don't think we're that far away. I just think there's not a, a deep field. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I think eventually there will be someone that throws right-handed backhands, left-handed backhands right-handed forehands, left-handed forehands. I think that's the future. So essentially what he was saying was he was saying that at some point, to be really good at disc golf, you'll have to be ambidextrous and be able to throw right-handed backhand, left-handed backhand, right-handed forehand, left-handed forehand. What do you think about that?
0: (laughs) Is it an awful idea? No. I mean, here's my biggest thing. I mean if someone was good enough at it sure it'd be sick but several players have proved that your right-hand forehand can get as good as someone's left-hand backhand like you might not you might be missing just a little bit of touch because of spin control but I have a hard time believing I think that what would more happen is the the like actual science behind our form will develop enough that how people are throwing forehands and backhands with their right hand will change it's the most potential. Yeah. Cause a tennis player isn't learning. I think tennis, uh, a lot of ways I think tennis, like uh, whatever the scientific name for how our form is, I think tennis is very close to like the muscles we use. And cause like a backhand forehand forehand, you don't see Roger Federer randomly switching to his left hand for a forehand, unless he's like trying to swan dive out there and it's a last ditch no. effort. He's not the only routinely. Thing you
1: see, the only thing you see in tennis is a two handed forehand. Yeah, but so you're not you routinely seeing
0: him go right hand forehand, left hand no. forehand, depending on which side the ball came on. So, no. I mean, it's just because he's never going to have the same power with his left hand forehand as he does with his right hand forehand or his right hand backhand. That just doesn't make sense. So, I think so, that's the same thing going forward in disc golf is like an ambidextrous player might come along and they might be able to compete on the Pro Tour, sure, but it's not something that, like, a 10-year-old right now you should be worrying. Yeah, it's not like basketball where you have to be able to go left because that's a whole different side of a game. Whereas in disc golf, I mean, well, throwing I, the forehand I just, accomplishes I just,
1: it. I think in basketball, it, it is definitely beneficial to be able to go. You're talking about like off the drill. No,
0: I'm saying in basketball, you have to be able to go left. That's a part of the oh, game. yes, yeah. You, I'm you, saying it's yes. not like that. Disc golf is yeah, okay. not like that where like gotcha. it's not a part of the game that you have to be able to throw left hand, back because you yeah. can accomplish it with a right hand. I'm glad you said that because probably tennis. the way I worded it, probably everyone was sitting at home like, did Hunter just say you don't have to have a left hand in basketball? <laughs> uh,
1: tennis was a really good analogy. Another really good one is um, pitchers mm. in baseball. Um, I don't think I've. I could be wrong, but I don't think there is a major league pitcher that, based off the hitter, they switch from throwing right-handed and throwing left-handed. No, I, think I don't think. I think there's teams there's hitters. that'll there's switch. Hitters.
0: We, like oh, like, like yeah, a team will switch their pitcher mid-game so you get a yeah, little... Yeah,
1: they'll pull, they'll pull their right-handed pitcher out that started and bring in their left-handed closer for sure. Um, now, there are switch hitters in baseball, but those guys will tell you, and the stats prove it, that they're clearly better on one side than the other. And the only time they're really switch-hitting is is based off of the pitcher, so um, my my thought is, it might it might not be so much as when you're born, you're like dom, you know, you're right hand dominant or left hand dominant, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's so much. I don't think that's as much importance as time. I think the time, the time of practice and all that stuff, that is the most important. Disc golf has so many different elements that you have to practice to get to the top level that if you are now adding two new elements, a left-handed backhand and a left-handed forehand, you are now adding way more things to practice. And when you do that, I think instead of you becoming a better player, I think what's going to end up happening is something in your game is going to get worse, whether it's putting, whether it's your scrambling – whether it's your upshots or your distance or whatever, something is going to get worse because you're going to end up having less time to practice everything.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, a great example, sticking within disc golf even, is James Conrad. He he has a forehand, but he doesn't really use it, right? But he's been able to stay atop the ranks for years now in the top 15, where in win worlds this year, where there's plenty of players who... Have like Eagle McMahon always comes to mind when I'm thinking of great forehands and backhands. Eagle can throw a forehand farther than 95% of players in the world can throw a backhand and with just as much control. And yet, one player with basically just a backhand is able to beat him. And so, to me, it's yeah. like you can develop these things, you might get really, really good, but you can accomplish every shot with a backhand to where you can just the forehand almost adjust the spin so you can have like different benefits to that. But once you accomplish both spins, you can accomplish every shot shape there is out there. And then you can add in grenades and tomahawks and stuff to where going right hand forehand to left hand backhand, I don't really think that's that big of a difference. If you're able to perfect both, I don't think oh. you're seeing that big of a drastic improvement in your game.
1: It'd be interesting to, I'm curious too, how much time James spends in the offseason on his forehand. Like do you think do you think he's like do you think this offseason he's gonna be grinding on getting a fore like getting his forehand better? Or do you think he's going to just spend all his time getting his, you know, jump putt, getting his turnover putter game? Because like to me it's it's tough to think and it goes it goes to basketball too a little bit, right? Now like Shaq is a different breed. Shaq, I think a lot of the reasons why Shaq was so bad at shooting free throws was simply just his size. Um, that might be a cop out for Shaq because I like Shaq, but uh, that's that's one of those things of like when you watch these NBA players not unable to shoot free throws, you, th- you it's like how like how are these guys just not like oh my gosh I got to get better at shooting free throws this off season I'm just going to shoot. The crap out of free throws every day to to figure it out, um, and that's kind of my question with with uh, James. It's like there's no way that he has something, or I, I could be wrong. He I, I don't think he said anything about like oh I have like a torn rotator cuff or like tennis out. Like he hasn't come out to say anything that has like he's injured or there's something causing him not able to perform a forehand as good as everyone else. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious as to what is the reason for him? Like, is it just simply like he thinks he can get by with his backhand and he doesn't need a forehand so he doesn't work on it in the offseason?
0: I mean, it might be something like, I would imagine on the NBA side, probably like when you're going to practice, you you have a list of things that you're trying to get better at, right? And I'm sure like free throws is on everyone's list, but a lot of times it doesn't feel that important. Like yeah, it is important, but it, it's kind of like I'm sure in disc golf everyone has something that's like a part of their game that you're like I don't use it that that much
1: for. Shaq, well, people don't like practicing stuff they suck at. Yeah, also.
0: well that's the other thing. For for Shaq, it's like, a little bit. If you bit suck different.
1: at putting, you're probably not going to be grind. You're not going to probably be practicing that much putting.
0: Yeah. But for James, it might just be again. We have no idea how much he's going to practice his forehand. Yeah. Stuff. So he might come back as the best forehand player we've ever seen next year. Would be sick. But it might be something where he doesn't see that f- the forehand increasing his skill, his overall skill, that much to where it's worth it yet. Mm. Uh, you also have to think for years and years. A lot of disc golf courses were
1: backhand dominant, backhand
0: designed to be backhand dominant. So like the turnover lines and stuff like that were what were cut in. Mm-hmm. Only courses designed and cut in within the last four or five years are really starting to have shots that you have to throw forehand if you want to get there type thing. To where a lot of those courses might not even be on, really like heavily on tour yet. Some are. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people, for instance, called used to call USDGC the forehand championships. And James, I mean, James Conrad war. won that. So yeah. it just shows with a, a backhand. Do I you think James
1: Conrad would be a better player... If he had a top twenty forehand,
0: I think he'd be. I think he'd be more consistent.
1: consistent Yeah, more consistent, like top ten finishes. I think he'd be more consistent.
0: Yeah, I think he'd be more consistent. But
1: I've always said, let
0: him know. (laughs) Yeah, who the heck am I to message him? But I think (laughs) the I've always said a backhand can accomplish way more than a forehand can. It's like a forehand; you're not getting the same amount of rotations, your angle control, and stuff like that. And you you don't have the same reach back to get your hips in and everything. To where a backhand, you're going to be able to h- control even just like changing up the grip. You can control and make it throw with a forehand spin level. You know you can power grip have a lot more spin. You can get a disc yeah. to flip easier. You can get a disc. You can do a lot more with a backhand than you can with a forehand. To where you are off able to shape tee. shots off the tee. Yeah, the only time a forehand comes you in. You can
1: do more with a forehand though scrambling. Scrambling, scrambling yeah.
0: absolutely because. The biggest Stand advantage still, of the forehand, you never have to turn your head away. Yeah. Backhand if you want to get power you have to turn your head away. Forehand you can scramble and be looking straight at the gap you're trying to hit the whole time. So I will agree there big time.
1: But forehand too you can also generate a lot more power with very limited, limited movement. Yeah. Where a Almost backhand is yeah. yeah. And also your foot placement with a forehand I can I can do a normal forehand where like my feet are stacked Mm -hmm. and then I can do one where they're out or I can do one where like it's more of an ink. I can move my feet around a lot more with my forehand and feel comfortable uh, than probably my backhand. So that's another thing to kind of think about too with James's game is, you know, there might be, like you said, there might be some situations that a forehand would be a lot more viable option than a backhand. And if he had a forehand, he might be putting himself in contention for more tournaments than he currently is. No, which is a scary thought, but as fans of disc golf, it's something that I think we all would want to see.
0: No, for sure. And I actually just thought of this back to the original point with the right hand, left hand, ambidextrous thing. Back in the day when forehand was just becoming a big bigger deal, uh, Nico was like one of the top players in the world. He might have actually been number one rated in the world at the time. Instead of learning a forehand, he learned a left-hand backhand. So if you go mm. back to coverage of it, I think it's USDGC like hole three, which I think last year might have been hole one, to like down the hill hole. He He's would chuck in a left hand. He would go shot. left-hand backhand on it because he wanted the forehand shot shape, but he just learned a left-hand backhand instead, and he he used that for a few years. Now Nika will use a forehand. Has a very serviceable heck. He has a good forehand, but for for a while. He didn't put the time in to do it, and instead he was learning the left-hand backhand, which was an interesting play. So he, he just threw right-hand backhand, left-hand backhand, and then brought out a forehand only for, you know, rare occasions, basically. Interesting. So someone has kind of done it in the past.
1: What do we need to do? Okay, because obviously we did the whole shaving your head bet, which ended up mm-hmm. you turning into Eminem for a couple weeks. Yep. What do we need to do to do a foundation milk crate challenge
0: i will i refuse i will not do that you're out no i know myself i'm way too injury prone and i have shaky legs when i get up high and putting those things together my shoulder would be out the second the second i got on that top crate
1: who would be who would be the best in foundation to do the milk crate challenge who would you put your money on I know, I think yeah. I know who I'm going
0: Sneakily, with. Sneakily, I think I'd put my money on Connor. Wow. I think I would. Really? Trevor, Trevor and Connor would be the two. I think me and yeah. Silas have the the least least chance of getting up and over. Connor, I feel like would. I'm going Trevor. You think Trevor? I'm going Trevor
1: because I think Trevor would be able to handle the moment. Because I think that's the big thing is when they get to the top, you you see the most people fall, and I think you guys discussed this a little bit the most people fall on the first step down. Yeah. Like the people that are good. That first step down, and I think a lot of it has that mentality of like I'm halfway there. All I need to do, like I've done the hard part. Now I can get, I think Trevor stays focused. Uh, uh-huh. I would be the worst. Uh maybe Silas. Me or Silas would be the yeah. worst.
0: Yeah. Well cuz y'all are you have to add another 6
1: feet on top. I'm too I'm like I'm I'm now 20
0: feet off the ground. Yeah, and I'm it's like I am now See, to where if I land wrong I will die. The thing with Trevor, the reason I didn't pick Trevor, one of the things is his nickname is Tremor stop because when you're in town you will have to look. He has a history of like shaky hands and stuff in his family, so I don't know if that translates to his That's legs. Shaky. Yeah, I, don't know. Shaky? I don't know how that translates If you put a wobbly surface below him I don't know Connor used to skateboard uh, He's very confident balance wise wives?
1: Are we adding in the wives for this Because I think Kelsey actually would be the best
0: I think I'm sticking with Connor Even with the wives added in over Kelsey? I think I'm sticking with Connor I trust the Connor's balance the dancer? I, th- I think Connor- Connor's also before She would walk
1: over it like she was walking on water it would it would not look I th- difficult. I don't
0: know. At all. I think I think Connor would be slow and methodical about it and would take I think Connor would do it. I think and Connor's also crazy enough that he'd probably try it. We just have to make sure it's not on company property.
1: See, I think I think if you hadn't seen any videos and you didn't know anything about it, and I just set it up and I was like, hey guys, this is what we're doing today, and I was like, all right, Kelsey's gonna show up go first, and then she would just you know do it with ease. I think you would do it. I would probably
0: try it, and then I'd get to the top one, it, like, and oh, my feet... <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, these idiots must be drunk or something who are falling on this. It looks so easy. And then I saw more and more people, and I saw like crazy exactly. athletic people do it, and I was like, this exactly. must be really hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking with know, Connor. Maybe maybe if we hit 15,000 subscribers
1: like, on on this podcast channel, we'll do it.
0: I feel like Connor has said before that he has... He's like crazy good at balance. I feel like that's something that's come up, and he said he has like a low center of gravity. Uh, he's and- a hobby of balance.
1: No, I that's think that's like a
0: good thing. I feel like we've talked about something, and he just said before that he he's very good at anything involving balance. He's good at.
1: I have a. Is um, that called an indigo board?
0: Indie board?
1: It might be called an. The thing indie with board. like the circle and then cylinder.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a cylinder. Like a ba- it's like a balance board thing.
1: Yeah. I have one of those. I'll bring it in. See, I could we'll, do that. We'll put some pads and stuff around, and we'll see who we'll see who looks like they've got the best control.
0: Yeah, because that's just and go from there. Yeah, that's balance. That's balance. I'm. That's I, balance. Yeah, I think I could five. do that pretty easily. I've done. I've yeah. used one of those before. And I think Connor could too. Connor has a I Connor think, has a skateboarding history. That helps. You got to have that some crazy balance for skateboarding. That helps. That helps. Um, okay, Jake Paul. Hmm. Or
1: versus Tyron Woodley goes down in a few hours. This, uh, yeah, by the time this is up, it's gonna be it's gonna be just about happening. Well, this is live. Um, no, but what, by the time this like is uh, uh, for, probably for the uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. guessing that will be up on Sunday. But uh, no, yeah, the, fight's, the, the
0: tomorrow? fights tomorrow. Yeah, the fights tomorrow.
1: The fight there's some tomorrow UFC, tonight. No, there's UFC uh, fights tonight.
0: I got him confused. Yeah, no,
1: it's just a fight night card. There's like three or four good fights, but tomorrow night is the Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Um, let's first talk about it and then let's give predictions. So this fight, this is this is a big one. Okay, all his previous ones, like I I love Ben Askren. I'm a big Ben Askren fan. Good friends with him. Clearly, he's he's a he's a friend of um, foundation. But going into that fight, I was very nervous for Ben. Very, very nervous. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he also just had hip surgery. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't something that he brought up. And that wasn't something that the media talked about. But he literally retired. And this was something that he had told us uh, prior to doing it. Is that he was basically trying to win the belt in the UFC. Once he, you know, got the loss to uh, Masvidal mm-hmm. and realized, like, that wasn't probably going to happen. Um, and then, well, no, once he got the loss to Masvidal, then he had to f- fight Damian Maya, who's, like, an absolute nightmare to fight. And he got choked out. He realized he was probably too far away to, like, get the belt, right? He, he would He would have had to win, like, five... Fights in a row, a row to get a chance. So, like, he was like, as soon as I'm done, I'm getting surgery because his hip was absolutely jacked up. So, he got surgery, went into that fight. He's a wrestler, he's not a boxer, and he got slept. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much time and effort Jake Paul is putting into boxing. And I think a lot of people just have this like, I don't think Jake Paul's a good person. And I don't I don't really like a lot of the stuff he does, but I can't, I'm not gonna discredit him for the amount of work and effort he's put into boxing. He hasn't, he's not taking it lightly. And so I think a lot of people don't think about that. They just think like, oh, Jake Paul sucks. He's not good at boxing. When in fact, it's like, if you do anything for three years, and you put a lot of time and effort into it, you're probably going to be pretty decent at it. So I think this fight right here is a big one, not only because he is fighting someone that actually is coming with some sort of boxing pedigree. Like, Ben Askren has not knocked out a single person his entire life. Okay, he There's no highlights of Ben hurting someone with his hands. Mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley has put people to sleep and he's put killers to sleep. Now he's fallen off a little bit and he's lost, I think his last four fights, I believe, but he has that power and people know that. So I think this fight is huge because not only is Jake fighting someone that actually is dangerous, but I think also if Jake wins, this could potentially show that boxing isn't that hard to get good at. Because it's you know, someone like Woodley who has put tons and tons of time and effort and has been fighting forever. Okay, fighting forever. Jake Paul just comes in two years, trains, and now he's knocking people out. Like if he if Jake Paul knocks out Tyron Woodley, I don't think that is going to be a good look for the actual sport of boxing. Of like how difficult it is because right now a lot of people are saying like it takes forever and I know he's not fighting a boxer I get that mm-hmm. but I'm just giving him credit if he knocks out Woodley that I think that's a big thing man I think that's going to be a big big deal
0: yeah I mean I think I'm not a super combat sport fan but I've followed the Jake Paul saga up to this point yeah. right because that's very entertaining and intriguing. And I think that Jake Paul has been very smart about how he's gone about it, right? Because he's been picking people that are progressively more impressive, okay. but that he knows based on his own opinion of himself that he can beat. Mm-hmm. So that's why whenever someone's asked me, I know we're not at predictions yet, but I'll go ahead and give mine. Whenever someone's asked me, I think Jake Paul's gonna win just because I think that he's being very strategic and very smart about who he's picking. And he's not gonna, he's not to the peak of where he wants to be yet. So I don't think he's gonna risk a loss yet. So I think he's picking people who he's very confident he's gonna beat and have progressively bigger and bigger names. So that's why we saw him pick Ben Askren, big name, but like mm-hmm. you were saying, didn't have the striking prowess. He yeah. he knew going in this is gonna be kind of an easy win for me. Now he's picking a little bit of a harder challenge, but he's picking he's isn't he like got a solid like five or six inches on Woodley?
1: Yeah, it, it is a little bit kind of like the Logan Paul versus um, Mayweather thing, where like Mayweather obviously is the superior boxer with technique, but Logan Paul was just a much bigger human. And that is why, you know, weight classes matter because it's a lot harder. And, and Floyd's old and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but it's a lot harder to like hurt someone when you're smaller. But Woodley's going to be coming in the heaviest he's ever coming into a fight. He's going to be probably right around 109. I think he weighed in at 190.5 or 190, something like that. So he's going to be probably like right around that. I don't think he's going to be putting on that much more weight. Uh, And then Jake will probably be around 200. So it'll only be like 10 pounds where like the Mayweather Logan Paul fight was like 40 I think pounds I think Logan had him by so I don't think the height just I don't think the heights gonna be that big Woodley has fought Wonder boy who has a couple inches on him um I'm trying to think he's probably fought a couple other people I'm sure in his career that were like taller so I don't know if that's gonna be the deciding factor in the fight I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think gosh this is wild I think first off I think anyone can win. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the first fight that Jake has put himself in that he could lose. He wasn't going to lose to Nate Robinson. He wasn't going to lose to Ben Askren. This is the first fight that I think he can lose. And um, man, it's going to be crazy to see what happens because I think if, if Tyron goes out there and sleeps him in like the first round, I think it's going to be much harder for Jake to like move
0: forward. That's what I'm saying. It's gonna
1: be, it's gonna be very difficult for him to continue this yeah. kind of Because he's story. not
0: in my mind, Jake Paul's not gonna want to fight a boxer until he's able to fight like a pretty big name boxer. He's not I gonna think, go fight a no name. I, I think he fights I think
1: he fights one more UFC I think he fights one more UFC guy. Yeah. Or he fights Fury. If Fury so Tommy Fury is Tyson uh is it Tyson Fury? Yeah, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, who is the heavyweight champion of the world, his younger brother is Tommy Fury, who is fighting on the same card mm-hmm. so if Tommy and they and they've already kind of had a little bit of like trash talking back and forth so I think if Tommy Fury comes out puts a good performance on and Jake Paul ends up winning, I think that will probably be the next fight because Tommy Fury is a boxer yeah also Tommy Fury has the brother that is. The champion of the world like there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of go that route um but i think where jake is right now i think this is going to be obviously the scariest fight for him and i think if he does end up winning like the next level is it's he's getting to the point of where it's like it's tough for him to continue to like go up slowly yeah like i think the next jump is going to be a pretty drastic jump if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm With just all saying. all that being said, I think Woodley catches them, mm-hmm. and I think Woodley wins.
0: Interesting. See, because I'm looking at it like, Jake Paul is not looking at boxing as like, he's about to, he's going to grind it out, he's trying to get to a certain level of like fame and notoriety so he can make money, right? He's oh, coming he's into trying- boxing as like, he wants to be a great boxer, but yeah. he knows this is a, a pretty quick and easy way for him to make a lot of money. It, but per I fight. Think-
1: I think it's I think it's different than Logan. I think Logan is thinking that way more of where like what's the big fight money wise. I think that's what Logan's all about is cuz him Logan fighting Floyd did nothing. It was a, it was a um un, not unsanctioned, but it yeah, wasn't it was, a, it, it was unsanctioned. Yeah, yeah it wasn't a, I know it wasn't a professional fight, but I think it was probably unsanctioned because of the different weight classes. Um Jake, I think, legitimately thinks he has a chance of being a champion.
0: But he's not that's I what I'm saying. Is he's he he's needs to get to the level. To he needs to get yeah. to the level, so he's not gonna risk it this early on a fight that he's not hundred percent confident in. And but so I think he's to, looking at it from you a have to eventually. Like you there but eventually I comes up. i don't like this is the fight. Okay. Cause I think he's looking at this right now still from a business perspective of where he wants to get even if that's Woodley's is... a
1: beast. Woodley's a beast, man. I don't, The I... only question is how much does MMA boxing this third, I shouldn't say boxing. How much does MMA striking translate to boxing? Has that is ever
0: is there a case of MMA striking translating well to boxing?
1: I think Anderson Silva just beat uh, I think Anderson Silva, who is an MMA guy, known for his striking, known for his head movement. He was, uh, at one point, one of the best fighters in the world. Uh, I think he had the longest um, win streak as well. I think he literally just fought a biter. Yeah, he just fought a fighter. He is, he fought um, Julio Cesar. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And I think he beat him. Yeah, and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I think is probably past his prime, but so is so is uh, Anderson. Like they're both like kind of older dudes. Yeah. But I think Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is like absolutely. Oh no, Julio's my age. I mean, okay, he could be past his prime, but he is my age. He's thirty-five, <laughs> so he's not he's not terribly old, but he was. Uh, he had sixty fights. This is his career. He had sixty fights. He won thirty-four by KO. He won fifty-two of the sixty and only lost six. So I guess there was a couple no decisions in there. But like he was he's a big name in yeah.
0: boxing. Um I was just thinking I was thinking so through like the we'll ones see. we've seen. In my head, like there haven't there hasn't been that many that have tried it. Well yeah, but like Connor McGregor, obviously he went straight to Floyd. He did yeah. decent, but like um He gassed out. Yeah, but he did decent. Like, he was winning. I just think it's a different... It's just such... I agree. I think it's way harder to be a UFC fighter than it is to be a boxer because of everything else you have to learn to be a UFC fighter as far as defense and also being able to, like, do takedowns and all of that. Whereas boxing, it's literally just one aspect of MMA and UFC.
1: I think we can literally describe it similar to Ultimate Frisbee and Disc Golf. I think it's easier to go from Ultimate Frisbee to Disc Golf than it is to go from Disc Golf to Ultimate Frisbee.
0: So what is which is which in this scenario? Which is boxing? No, so I think it's easier to go from... Um,
1: I think it's... We're not saying that you're going to be successful, but it's probably easier to go from UFC, like MMA, to boxing than it is to go from boxing to MMA. Because...
0: So you're... So- so you're saying ultimate's a lot harder to play than disc golf. I'm saying it's harder.
1: It'd be harder for a disc golfer to transition to ultimate than it would be for an ultimate player to transition to disc golf. Because, for example, because let's say cardio. you're really, really good at disc. Yeah, I mean, there's athleticism involved. Yeah. So you might be really, really good at throwing, but you are slow.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you yeah.
1: go in- yeah, so there's more factors – there's more things you have to be good at than just disc golf. You just have to be good at throwing. In Ultimate, there's more things that you have to be good at. And it's the same thing in MMA. You have to be good at grappling, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, uh, striking, all those things. So it's going to be way harder for someone that is really good at boxing to come into MMA. And we've, and you've seen it. Like People will say, like, this guy has some of the best striking in MMA. And he goes up against a wrestler, and the wrestler just literally at the beginning of every round tackles him, keeps him on the ground. The guy doesn't know how to get up, and he wins. Yeah, it's a it's a boring fight, but the guy wins. So that's that's why I think it probably similar that way to where, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good. I just think it's probably easier for those guys to just focus on boxing and only one element of. Mixed martial arts.
0: Yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting. I'm I'm still debating right. if I'm staying up to watch, or if I'm just gonna wake up in the morning and learn because it's gonna be like midnight my time. Is it, Is it super late? I think it's I think the card starts at eight, Eastern. Well, it's on
1: it's on Showtime. It's not on these like trash uh, social media things or like you know these other trash sites. So
0: oh, so they they're actually gonna pay them out. We're not going to steal all their money.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and there won't be like five
1: musical concerts going on. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Fight, fight, fight! So I think I think it'll move a little bit faster. Um, okay, so I think at this point, guys, we probably uh, you know if you're a podcast listener um, on Apple Podcasts or are we on Spotify too? Should be. Yeah. All right. If you guys are listening to us, or if you're listening to us not live. Uh, try to tune in for the live. This is a show that we will eventually have a locked-in day and time uh, to where you guys can tune in. Um, But for right now, we're going to open it to some uh, live chat for a little bit, probably for like 15 minutes. So if you guys have any sort of uh, things you maybe have – maybe some things that you disagreed with us from what we said tonight, some new topics, whatever, we're going to open it now, read some chat out. And then uh, close it out because uh, my corgis right now are giving me the desk there. <laughs> and I think that means they're hungry. So, relax now. I'll feed you <laughs> Boosman, stop the door.
0: While we wait for some to come in because there's a little bit of a delay with the stream. Are you going to keep track of the chat? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I got it popped up here.
1: Okay, so if anything comes up good, let me know because yeah. I'm, I'm trash at reading that stuff. For
0: sure. Uh One thing I was going to say is I actually put this tweet out and I'd be interested to get your perspective versus my perspective since I've been in the sport a little bit longer is uh, you have to exclude Conrad's Envy because that's the easiest one. But what would you say is like the most iconic disc in disc golf? So not like mold, but like in someone's bag. So like Conrad's Envy, for instance, and then can you even think of someone else's disc that you're like, that's iconic?
1: Probably I died
0: get freaky. Oh, you're going with yours.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I yeah. think you know. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people change a lot of discs in their bag constantly. So I think it's easy. You know, I'm seeing some people like someone just said Calvin's eagle. Like I think like is it does he have the same eagle that he's been throwing for uh, two years or is it? No, but it there just, is.
0: There are some cases like that like yeah uh, barsby
1: barsby and his um, his his sidewinder i think right or like uh you've got uh,
0: uh gosh i don't know i think
1: like certain people are known for certain discs right yeah but i think what we're talking about is like a specific, a specific disc. disc yeah like for like, instance oh, that black disc that he has that has yellow yeah. blah blah blah
0: that's like, my, the ones that came to my mind when I asked the question uh, were Sexton used to have this cherry pie orc. It was an orc that okay. had like a cross hatching and it was super, everyone knew it. Uh, yes. Simon has an FD with a Elsa dyed on it. Everyone nice. knew that. And then Paul used to have this uh, monster, or was it a monster? No, it was a monster logo died on a gator. No. no, it was a gator back when he was with Innova. Oh. That okay. was iconic. And then his black on black zone. And then Ricky yeah. had some harps and stuff like that, but there is a few. But someone actually brought up a pretty good question here. It's from Fish Twenty One. He said, "Do you think that there is no lefty good enough to really compete, or are lefties just at a disadvantage in disc golf?"
1: I think it's a mixture. I think I think uh, there are obviously le- less lefties in the world than righties, so right then and there, it's probably going to be a lot harder to. Uh, have you know in in a tournament you have what 140 people how many of those people are left-handed probably not that many of them so you already have a limited thing um and then i would say also yes a lot of courses are very backhand dominant very backhand dominant and so when i get to a course and i'm like oh wow this course has like because that's it i I talked to zach melton about this a lot And uh, for those that don't know, he's a left-handed player. And he was talking about how you would get to a course and they're like, oh, this is like a lefty-friendly course. And he's like, oh, really? And then he plays it and it's like the three or four holes that right-handed players are going to throw forehand, they're all like less than like 330 feet. So, like, everyone has that shot. Like, everyone should have a 300 to 350-foot forehand. But not everyone has a 450-foot forehand. And so, how many holes are there that the backhand hyzer is the the best throw and the hole's 450 feet? There's a lot. Not a lot, but, you know, there are holes like that. There's very few holes where the best shot is a 450-foot forehand. So that, I thought that was an interesting perspective coming from him, someone that is constantly playing um, on these on these courses.
0: Well, I also think another thing is a lot of times from as a right-handed player, because I play with Zach Melton a lot, another good player, actually the best lefty in the world for a long time was Chris Clemens. But both yes. of them have said on the record... I um, think Chris
1: Clemens is the best left-handed right now in the world.
0: He might still be, yeah. Uh, but both of them is. have said where, like, right-handed players, as soon as we see a hole that we throw a forehand on, we immediately go, oh, that's a lefty hole. But Mm. one thing you have to remember, too, is a forehand flies different than a backhand. Yes. Because it doesn't have as much spin. So sometimes the hole that's meant for our forehand are actually some of the hardest lefty holes. Because Mm. the way the shot shape is supposed to be, it, like, will go dead straight and then hook hard left at the end. And it's (laughs) a lot harder to get a backhand to actually do that than it is to get a forehand. So even the holes that are a lot of times considered lefty holes might not actually even be lefty holes. They're they're still they're just righty forehand holes. So there might be some courses where you're thinking in your head, Oh yeah, there's three or four lefty holes on that course. And it's like realistically there might be only one and there might be seventeen yeah. righty holes. So I think I think it's what you said is true. I think it's a mix between there not being that many lefties uh percentage wise in the field to where we just haven't seen it. Um and also the course is just, the design of the course is just hinder them. I think, I
1: think course design is a big thing. And I think, you know, in the future they'll start looking more at trying to get a good mixture of backhand tee shots, forehand tee shots. And then also the same thing as approach shots, right? where like not every approach shot is a backhand. Some are going to be forehands. I, I think that will be in the future for sure.
0: Yeah, so another great topic. I think we've actually talked about this a little bit before, but I don't remember exactly where it was at. Uh, this is suggested by Raymond. I'm going to rephrase it a little bit, um, but it's about marketing yourself, right? So what I want to hear is if you were to start playing disc golf, let's say that you fresh out of college, you don't have a YouTube following, you don't have a name, you don't have anything yet, and you decide you're going to play disc golf. With your knowledge now, what are you telling Yourself back then to start focusing on to try to build your personal brand, Get but good. within the realm of disc golf. Get good. All right, so That's now you're good. One. Now you're good. Now what do you do?
1: Now that I'm good, I, I show that off and I show my passion. I show my love for the sport.
0: Are you doing that? So, like, what's your main focus? Like, are you just picking one social media platform and you're chilling with it? Are you going? Uh, it no, across I mean, all?
1: YouTube. YouTube, if, if you enjoy making videos and you enjoy editing, YouTube's the platform for you. Um, if you don't enjoy doing that, then I would probably say Instagram or nowadays TikTok mm. would probably be the two there. Um, but that, that's gonna be the most important thing because it is, it is so much easier and gaming, gaming's a perfect example of this. You could be absolutely the most entertaining person in the world when it comes to streaming. Heck, you might not even have a face cam. You, you're just showing your gameplay. But you're so good at the game that people tune in to watch you play.
0: Mm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: It's so much easier to get people to follow you or be interested in you because, it, that, because you're good. Um, then the other way where it's like, you're trying to be like entertaining or whatever. Um, and like, that's something that like, is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on me with that because I know I have to perform, you know, because at a certain time people are going to get like, they're going to be like, dude, you, you suck. What the heck are you doing? Like, I don't want to pay attention to you anymore. So there's a lot of pressure on me because I already have a following coming into disc golf and obviously i have a bunch of ride or die people which i i I 100 appreciate but i know at a certain time people want results and so i think if you're getting into something the easiest way to create a following to create value in your brand and yourself is to is to try to be the best in that in that field
0: yeah that's uh you know, I've never really thought of it from that perspective of get good first, because I think that you can also take it from the perspective of document yourself getting good.
1: Kinda yeah. Like there's that,
0: but you still have you're to get gonna,
1: good. Exactly. You're not. It's going to be very difficult without a of following to get people to tune in.
0: Yeah. If you're at the beginning.
1: Yeah. 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 I would say, like, it, again, like a lot of times, like you're not going to have the production value because that's the thing is like. If you have production value where you're doing videos that are like uh, um, slow mo's, drone shots, like beautiful uh, cinematography, audio, the audio's great, like all this, then potentially people might tune in because it's like, holy cow, this is like incredible production. Yeah. But my guess is like, if you're just getting, like you, the example you gave, like someone's probably going to be filming with their iPhone, they're probably not going to be that great at editing. So that's going to be tough to kind of have people pay attention to that um, from the beginning. And especially nowadays, like, dude, the amount, like, think about, think about how many podcasts there were about disc golf two years ago Yeah. to how many there are now. Like, I just went on Apple Podcasts the other day and searched disc golf, and there's, there's 50 plus podcasts I've never even heard about Mm -hmm. that are talking about disc golf. So the competition now is insane and it's crazy. And there obviously are spots for people to kind of like foundation, kind of what you and Trevor are doing with grip Block. You know, you guys have the number one podcast in disc golf and uh, you guys don't tour. You guys aren't touring players. And I think that's easier to do than trying to be a touring player and have all this stuff yeah you're not you're not good that's you there needs to be like a separation between the two
0: Mm -hmm. no for sure for sure yeah i think that makes a lot of sense yeah i think that's definitely something that i've heard a lot of because on grip lock one of the things we talk about all the time is how important a player's value is and how important a player's brand is and the biggest question from that is like okay yeah it's important but like the heck do you do it and yeah i mean i've always looked at it from because i was some people aren't going to be marketable yeah like
1: some people just aren't going to be marketable and that's fine it's okay um i think you just have to be true to yourself
0: yeah i think that's that's one of the big things i always looked at it from like the nerdy marketing side of posting consistently you know providing value blah 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 all the stuff that you hear if you click on a Gary V video you know what I mean? you're like basic social media marketing and be like oh you do that you're good but
1: but like what is It's got to be a,
0: entertaining what they're watching. But also
1: what if a million people do that?
0: No, yeah, the competition that's why you got not, niched not out. not all those yeah,
1: not all those people like just because they if a million people all of a sudden were like oh that's all i have to do Gary V. Oh, mm-hmm. easy. They all started. You're going to tell me all 1 million of those people are going to be successful? No. Like what Gary – I'm not disagreeing with what Gary Vee saying because what he says, yes, those are the things that you need to be doing to yeah. be successful, but that – it doesn't mean just because you do that, you will.
0: You will be, and, yeah.
1: And all you have to do is go to Twitch and see how many people are streaming to one person, mm-hmm. to two people. And they're probably grinding their you-know-what's off every day. And it's just – it's tough, man. The, the competition out there is tough.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think – I mean – unless you have another topic to bring up, I don't see a super, I don't see one jumping off the screen at me. uh, I will say,
1: I will say if you guys are listening to this, make sure you join the Discord. Mm -hmm. The link will be in the uh, description of this YouTube video. Um, So if you're listening to the audio version, just jump over to the YouTube. Uh, There is a channel in there called Debate Night. And I have, I think right now I have like, 12 really good topics uh to pull in for the future for us yeah from that channel so if you have suggestions if you want to see, hear our opinions on certain things that is the perfect spot to put it in that's also uh, a great so way, way to get
0: involved add. if you're listening to us on apple podcasts or one of the post-produced yes. versions uh that's a great way for you to get your voice heard when you might not be able to tune in live or call in when we're able to do that again or anything like that um, i definitely think the the discord's a great thing also don't forget to check out our patreon uh, where you'll get four episodes, uh, bonus episodes, of a podcast called The Bogey Bro Banter. Um, it's a lot more laid back. Brody's on there sometimes. It's always Trevor and I. Connor pops in and talks a lot more. Um, and then we also have, if you're on the $5 tier, you also get access to one exclusive video a month over on Patreon. So $5 get you access to five pieces of content per month plus all the backlogs of those contents. You can go right now. I think we just posted number eight for the bogey bro banter. So there's eight episodes waiting for you. There's also uh, benefits to the higher tiers as well. If you're interested in looking into more of those,
1: those episodes too. Like the nice thing about it is if you become a Patreon member, like right now, all that stuff is unlocked. Mm -hmm. So you can go back and watch all eight episodes. And the bogey banter too, is one of those things too is like, It's not like super live in the sense of like you can go back and watch the first episode and be like, Oh,
0: this is It's not it's not time sensitive. We're just No, it's not time sensitive. We're just most of the time we're picking whoever that day did something stupid is getting roasted for thirty to forty minutes. And it's a great time. It's a great time. I it's personally it's my favorite podcast we do. I, I mean I like the disc golf analytics stuff. I enjoy debating, I, but I like yeah. just sitting down with a mic in front of me and just talking with my friends. I feel like that's well, I, what podcasting is.
1: I said uh, I said as soon as I get up there, I'm I'm making it like I'm going to be on that that podcast every single time I'm in town because yeah. it's, it's like I agree with you it's the best one uh, that I enjoy doing um, just because like you said, it's just it's just us sitting around talking about whatever. So.
0: For sure, and if you are listening uh, post-produced on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you can't find the link, you can also just download the Discord app, search in the directory, and we should pop up uh, that way nowadays. Um, that didn't always used to be that simple. You used to have an invite link and all that, but now you can just search Foundation Disc off Big time, baby. Up. Yeah, that was, that was a big, drastic improvement. But thank you all so much for tuning in, whether you're tuning in live or tuning in later. We really appreciate each and every one of you. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and leave us a review. We read each and every one of them and we're going to be implementing stuff from those reviews to make changes Uh, and hopefully come next week or the week after, we'll be able to finally have an official time and date that this is going live so you can plan that into your schedule and into your lives as well and hang out with us each and every week. But other than that, we really appreciate you tuning in and we will talk to you all next week. Peace!